You're listening to the Ask Drone You podcast. You ask, we answer your drone questions. Whether you're here to turn your passion into profit or you simply fly for fun, we're a community of learners and teachers who aspire to achieve greatness. We are Drone You. Hey everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Ask Drone You podcast news edition. Joining me as always loves to fly the seas and just see how far he can fly. He is the Flying Dutchman. How are you doing, my friend? Pretty good. Flew almost to uh, to Durango last week, but not quite. Otherwise, fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sad to hear that you didn't make that journey. And I think uh, others are sad to hear about some of the developments that are coming on this new show. Uh, in fact, even I would say that I am pretty surprised by some of the developments that are coming out regarding Amazon Prime Air, because for so many years, not only the FAA, but others in the industry have been touting the success of said program. Is it really that successful? Flying Dutchman, what's going on? Yeah, Amazon. Uh, Jeff Bezos famously said back in 2013, I think it was on the ABC News show, that... uh, Drone deliveries of products to consumers would be routine in uh, in a mere five years from the, from back then. So that will bring us to 2018. Of course, now we're uh, moving quickly towards the end of 2020, and we still aren't able to uh, to order products on Amazon and have it delivered to our home by drone. And by this latest news, it doesn't seem that that's going to happen anytime soon, as uh, Amazon Prime Air, as that division is officially called laid off dozens of their staff in their R&D department and manufacturing department. Uh, So that's not a good thing at all. Apparently, uh, they're not able to to get this drone off the ground, literally, with their own employees. So now they're looking to work with third-party vendors to get this drone program going. And these are not uh, unknown names. I mean, one of them is uh, FACC Aerospace from Austria, as well as Aeronova uh, Aerospace from Spain. And these are companies that work with Airbus and with Boeing and uh, Bombardier. So these are well-known established names that uh, now uh, Amazon is turning to for help. Um, It's interesting though, because Amazon has never, as far as I know, at least said how big their prime air department or their unit actually is. But to lay off dozens of people, and at the same time, they still have, I think it's 57 open positions on their website for that same drone department. Their drone department must be a pretty sizable one. And to keep that going for so many years without actually having a drone up in the air delivering, uh, yeah, must be, a, must be a difficult situation. If you remember last year, uh, Jeff Wilkie, the uh, Amazon head of Worldwide Consumers, mentioned that drone deliveries from Amazon would actually happen in only a matter of months. Uh, nothing ever came of that as of yet. And earlier this year, Amazon actually got their Part 135 certification, uh, the third company in the United States after UPS Flight Forward and Wing Aviation. So only three companies are now considered air carriers, according to the FEA, and are now allowed to fly in a limited fashion, test drone delivery flights in the United States. Now, we know from Wing and from UPS that they've been making those flights. From Amazon, we haven't really seen or heard anything to this point yet. So it will be interesting to see what's going to happen now. I mean, if they lay off dozens of people uh, in R&D and manufacturing, that must be uh, quite the setback, you would imagine. Uh, also, the arrangements with those other two companies are still in finalization. So they're, they're not a done deal yet. So once that's signed, that still needs to ramp up. So um, 
I don't expect really to see a, a an Amazon drone making test flights anytime soon. To be uh, to be honest. Wow, uh, pretty stunning developments there, uh, there, Haya. I mean, that's quite the U-turn. Quite the U-turn. Well, sure. in our next uh, piece of news, brings us to a very important question. Haya, do you know how to stop a flyaway when you, if you're flying, say, a DJI drone, whether it's a Wi-Fi or a radio-based interference flyaway or if it's a GPS flyaway? Do you know how to stop a flyaway? Yeah, if you had a uh, DJI Phantom 4, you'd flick it in Eddy mode and you'd be flying yourself and you should be in good shape. But it sounds like somebody didn't do that or didn't know that or maybe was flying another kind of drone. That's right. In our next story, it seems like someone... Is it in law enforcement, Haya, had a flyaway? Yeah, it's a police drone flyaway. This brings us to Texas, Amarillo, uh, Potter County uh, Sheriff's Office said that they had a drone that actually flew away from them. Now, the interesting thing also is that this incident, if you will call it, that uh, happened at 2 a.m. Uh, on Tuesday morning, real early. 2 a.m., that must have been a, a nighttime operation because it would be dark at that point, of course. So it's interesting that they will be flying a drone at night. Uh, you're not allowed to do that unless you have an FAA waiver. In this case, they were trying to locate uh, burglary suspects uh, who apparently had broken into one or multiple cars. And according to the officials, they say that uh, the drone flew itself and it just flew away and they lost sight of it. Now, interestingly enough, later that same morning at around 8.30 on that uh, Tuesday morning, they were able to actually find the drone and uh, recover it. So they have the drone back. Unfortunately, we don't have a lot of details as to exactly what have happened. Might have been an issue with their compass that needed to be recalibrated or GPS interference. Either way, we're, we're not quite sure what happened. What we do know, though, is that uh, if you're a well-trained drone pilot uh, and you have the right kind of equipment or the right type of drone, you would have been able to, uh, to prevent this from happening. So it's interesting to see. I don't know exactly how much information the police department needs to convey or needs to make public in this case. It'd be interesting to, uh, to find out more details on this uh, situation for sure. Definitely. Education is key, high. And just like you said, if it's a GPS flyaway, flicking your bird in attitude mode and flying at home is definitely the way to solve that problem. But if it's a radio-based interference, well, as long as you set your drone and tell it what to do when there's a, a lost radio link, you should be fine. So whether you set it to hover or fly home, whatever you do, we recommend something specific but Haya, let's be real. If you're trying to create practical, reliable operators who are practicing safety, well, then you might just want to learn from the props program. Well, that brings us to our next story. Sorry for the humble brag there, Haya. I couldn't, I couldn't, you know, resist here. But it looks like uh, someone is doing drone delivery here at night. Is this happening under Part 107, or is this a 135 operation? Haya. And actually, before you answer that question, it brings me to one more question. Do you think at some point that 135 and 107 are going to kind of have to come to a head here? Um, good question. Not sure. I mean, 135 is so different. Uh, the requirements are so much more detailed and more strict. Um, also, you're talking about a completely different kind of drone operation, I think, than most Part 107 flights are. So I don't know if they're going to be merged at some point. Uh, what I could see happening is that at some point, these Parts 107 and 135 certificates and requirements might be updated and might be changed. I think Part 135 is way too strict. 
has all kinds of requirements that are more applicable to manned aviation than they are to, uh, to drones. And also I could see that part 107 uh, might develop over time. I don't know if they're going to merge. Well, I think there could be some use uh, usefulness in merging the two, but that's not, I think, a subject that I should go too deep on. I don't want to bore everybody, but back to the story, what's going on here with these night deliveries? Yeah, so this takes us to Singapore. So, uh, of course, drone regulations are different in Singapore than they are here. I mean, there might, there might be a lot of overlap, uh, more generally speaking, but it's not the same as a Part 107 or Part 135. What happened here is a local company in Singapore, F-Drones, they successfully completed a first night drone delivery uh, to a ship. So this was an, uh, it seems like it was an oil tanker anchored in the bay or moored in the bay, and they flew the drone over a distance of three and a half miles took them less than five minutes delivering a, a 3D printed critical part that was uh, needed on board of that ship, weighing about seven pounds. And the fact that you can actually safely, quickly do that even at night with a drone is a huge advantage. I mean, normally they would have sent somebody out in a smaller boat going out to this massive tanker, if you will. And if it's a critical part and if it's urgent and if that needs to happen at night, then of course there's some risk involved in getting somebody from a smaller ship aboard uh, one of those big oil tankers. So if you compare that process with now being able to just send a drone out that does this delivery in less than five minutes, flies at night, lands on board of that ship and just drops off the package. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's a huge advantage in time, in risk, in uh, money as well. So yeah, it's a good thing. Um, this company, F-Drones, is actually working on a follow-up model, which is called the Hyperlaunch drone. And that would fly fully autonomous as well but that can actually carry up to 11 pounds over a distance of 31 miles. Uh, and with that prototype, they've actually already completed over 100 autonomous flights. So the model that they have right now is more like a, a pilot program, if you will. The models that they're working on are significantly larger and more capable. So yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see if they'll be able to use drones and come up with a 24 seven delivery service of urgent or critically needed parts. That's kind of incredible. Honestly, hearing some of the specs on those flights is, uh, is really cool. Yeah. Really inspiring as well, frankly. Um, man, it's nice to see what uh, innovation can do when it's um, you know not held back. You know what I mean, Hayat? But speaking about not being held back, seems like the FAA might actually have an ear for drone pilots and service providers. But Haya, as the news team assembles, I have my doubts. What's going on here, buddy? The FAA actually wants to hear our opinion. Is that right? Yeah, seems like it. Uh, I don't know if they're really going to listen this time, but we'll find out, I guess. Uh, they've launched a survey uh, on the 17th looking into drone pilot fatigue and rest. And basically what they're saying is that the certification of airmen was really defined and, and structured for manned aviation. And they're wondering what the effect is of uh, drone pilots flying their unmanned aircraft for a considerable amount of time. So they're looking for 180 drone industry leaders to actually comment and, and go through a, a survey and answer a whole bunch of questions about what it is to fly drones and to find out uh, what the fatigue related practices are. And um, yeah, possibly use this for future uh, rulemaking. And I think this is where we're kind of going back to part 107 and, and probably also part 135. If you have continuous drone operations making deliveries, the FAA wants to know what kind of rules and what kind of guidance they need to uh, come up with in order to make sure that those drone operations and the drone pilots are, are executing those missions safely. 
So it's a uh, it's a survey that's uh, accessible right now. It's going to be open for 60 days, and uh, it's an information gathering process basically for the FAA. Gotcha. Well, for everyone out there, if there is a way to promote micro drone rules, it might be time to push for that. So um, that being said, hi, I will have a link here to help drone pilots uh, find that survey. Is uh, is it open to anyone or is it invite only? I would imagine if it, that, that is invite only. I couldn't really find any information on that. So there might be a chance that you can just apply and that they'll screen you before you get full admission or I don't know. Uh, but they're looking for about 180 people to uh, participate in this survey. Huh. And so we don't have more information on how they're selecting these 180 people. No, not as far as I know. Not, not as, of, uh, as of yet. Yikes. It seems like a big gap. Well, that brings us to our next, uh, our next story here, Haya, which I, uh, I have to say is quite interesting as well. And it takes us all the way to Gilbert Arizona. What's going on here, bud? Yeah, so uh, Gilbert, Arizona, uh, somebody who now goes by the name Mr. Gilbert Bystander, because he doesn't want to give out his real name, I guess. Uh, he was using his drone to record some of the Black Lives Matter uh, protesting uh, going on in his town. And there was quite a bit of police involved on an intersection, uh, cars were being stopped, uh, people were out there protesting, and Mr. Gilbert Bystander was flying his drone to record what was going on on that intersection. And he was then approached by three police officers on bicycles, and basically, um, this is a video that was posted later on on YouTube uh, by Mr. Gilbert. What you see happening is he's being questioned by three police officers and he's being accused of doing certain things that he supposedly wasn't allowed to do. So for one, they claimed that he was flying over a group of people, which uh, if you watch the video, it doesn't seem clear that he actually was doing that. He wasn't maintaining supposedly line of sight. Again, if you look at the video, it does not seem that he would have ever lost line of sight to his drone. Also, the police officers claimed that he was actually interfering with a police operation because of him flying his drone, the Gilbert Police Department, in case they would have to, would not be able to fly their drone. Now, I've never heard of a situation where two drones are not allowed to be in the same airspace at the same time. You can argue about whether that's safe, yes or no, but as far as I know, you can have a drone up in the air and fly a second drone right next to it. So he was being accused of a bunch of things, and Mr. Gilbert, I think, in the video, uh, kind of felt threatened. I mean, he was almost surrounded by police officers, then a, a fourth guy came in uh, to the discussion, a fourth police officer as well. So he refused to really participate and, and identify himself. In the end, he did. Uh, had he not done so, uh, the police officer said they would actually arrest him. It's an interesting video. It's quite detailed. Also, the explanation that comes with it. So if you're interested in a topic like this, I would definitely say go ahead and watch it. Uh, because if you're ever flying a drone and you are being approached by police officers, of course, uh, state laws may differ slightly. But it's good to know what your rights are and what you're allowed to do with a drone and what you're not allowed to do with a drone so that at least you can defend yourself. This video was pretty lengthy and detailed. I think the police officers could have done a better job. It didn't seem clear that they knew the rules exactly themselves. So they were accusing him of doing different things that uh, either would not have been an issue or weren't even true. I think Gilbert himself was a little bit overwhelmed and felt pressured uh, and, and possibly even threatened. So uh, it, it was an unfortunate situation altogether, but it's a good example of how these situations can develop. and. 
I think if, as a drone pilot and you're out there flying, it's better to be prepared and kind of know what you would do in a situation like these. Yeah, definitely. Couldn't agree more, Haya. Uh, being educated on what you can and can't do and being able to prove it is, uh, is important. That being said, in your article, uh, it looks like this made it to the FAA. What did they yeah. say in response? The FAA actually sent him a letter. He was reported by the Gilbert police uh, to the FAA. I haven't seen the letter, but I uh, suspect it's pretty much the standard letter that the FAA sends out to drone pilots who are accused of something or suspected of doing something. And typically the letters that I've seen, typically they, they would point to safe and responsible drone flying, explaining what the rules are and explaining where you can find more information on these rules. I don't think in terms of, of getting this guy into any trouble, I don't think anything happened there. I think it was just a, a warning letter, if you will, or informational letter. Gotcha. Oh, gotcha, Haya. Well, I'm sure that there's more to this story because it would be interesting to hear from both sides because it would be scary for the inhibiting police to do their job. Uh, what is it called? Uh, for you to be charged with that when flying a drone. When some, a lot of people argue the First Amendment right, you know. Uh, yeah. So anyway, complicated subject. I'm sure there's more to the story. Very interesting, though. Very interesting, Haya. But I do agree with you. You've got to know what you can and what you can't do. And sometimes having that information printed out is really helpful. In addition, you know, I always carry with uh, my Part 107 license the instructions from the FAA to local police to explain what is possible and what is not and what they should be asking me for, like my registration information or like my Part 107 certificate. And having those things on you well, is extremely important. And Haya, that brings us to our next story, which is more of a question. Let me ask you, buddy, because uh, I'm super curious what you think here. With the release of the Osmo Pocket 2, with the Mini 2, and with you and I being two in one giveaway, it makes me wonder, did DJI just release the smallest stabilized production kit for remote workers, because I mean, you can shoot 4K60 on the Osmo Pocket 2. The yeah. Mini 2 shoots 4K as well. I mean, it just seems like the creative possibilities here are uh, off the charts. Oh, totally. And I think, uh, I mean, the, the one the one caveat, I think, is you need good light conditions. Once it gets dark, small sensors hurt you. And both the Osmo Pocket 2 has a small sensor as well as the Mini 2s. But if, if you're in uh, bright daylight conditions, then small sensors aren't as much of an issue. And then the fact that you can shoot in 4K, yeah, with these two tools, they're, they're super small, they're lightweight, you can bring them with you. If you have that in combination with a smartphone so that it gives you access to, uh, to the internet, you can pretty much have a small production crew uh, in your backpack. I think also, especially when you're traveling internationally, the Mavic Mini 2 or the Mini 2 becomes even more valuable because, for instance, in Canada, you're able to fly this drone uh, with fewer restrictions and without a license, both commercially and uh, recreationally. And in Europe and the UK, the rules are going to be very similar to the Canadian rules, so giving you a lot more freedom as of January 1st. So in, if you're traveling abroad and you go to any of those regions, uh, having a Mini 2 is going to benefit you quite a bit, whether you use it for fun or for business. Unfortunately, here in the United States, the rules are slightly different. As soon as you start flying commercially, so for paid work, you still need a Part 107 and you still need to register the drone. doesn't matter what the weight of that drone is. But I think for a traveler... 
or somebody who travels internationally, yeah, having an Osmo Pocket 2 and a uh, DJI Mini 2 uh, catch you out pretty uh, pretty nicely, I would say, and small and affordable. And uh, with my big pockets, I can fit both in one pocket, Haya. truly is a pocket production kit, just saying. But that brings us to the big news here, Haya. You've thrown us some cash money. You've thrown out some goodies, some awards, some equipment, some gimbals, some Osmo Pocket 2s, some Zion, yeah. some gimbals, and so much more. As DroneU and DroneXL are partnering for a giveaway that is live for Thanksgiving. And there will be 10 winners with $14,000 of items up for grabs. And Haya, I hear that we've got a leak on this story. I hear it's a big deal. I hear everyone might be a winner. Is that true? I also hear that this is a giveaway where you can increase your chances of winning by gaining more entries when you share your unique link. Is that true, Haya? Yeah, I think that's the beauty of this giveaway, right? I mean, the more you share it and the more you talk about it and the more you share that information with other people, the bigger your chances of winning. And as you just pointed out, if there ever was a chance of winning some cool drone equipment, then this giveaway might just be it. We have, what, uh, about a week left. Uh, we're recording this on Thursday, so if this goes live soon, this show, then yeah, pretty much about a week left to participate. If you haven't done so, I would urge you, you can find the information either on Drone Excel or on the DroneU website. We have plenty of prices ranging from uh, the, the, what is it, the Mavic Air 2 drone, uh, two mini 2 drones, a bunch of gimbals, filters, uh, Osmo Pocket 2, Osmo Mobile 3, DJI goggles, the Raging Edition goggles. So there's, there's quite, a, quite a bit of stuff that you can win. So definitely check it out, participate, spread the word, and increase your chances of winning any of these prizes. That's right. And you can also win that smallest stabilized production kit as well. But hiya, I hear everyone's going to be a winner. We'll see what happens with that. But thanks again for joining me today on the news edition of the Ask to Drone You podcast. And uh, sorry that we're not seeing you in Durango and shooting this and all the other videos that we had planned this week. Yeah, but I'm sure that uh, in due time and Corona is behind us, we'll, uh, we'll have plenty of time to, uh, to set something up and kind of do what we were setting out to do last week. So uh, no big deal. Let's focus on the next one. Sounds good, buddy. Thanks again. Thanks again. And thank you to everyone. Don't forget to sign up for that giveaway. There's not much time left. And don't forget to share your unique link. Share it with family members. Text somebody. Post it on LinkedIn. Look, Drone You, we've got a history of doing these giveaways. We have a history of giving a lot away. It's time to pay it forward in a time when we can't really escape and get out. Drone You and Drone XL wants to help you escape with a Mini 2 or all those other cool gifts that Haya just mentioned because there's a whole lot of them. So make sure you sign up. Thanks again for joining us. If you enjoyed this show, please like us and maybe even think about subscribing. We will see you here shortly again. Thanks uh, for giving us your patience as we missed uh, a week or so, a little vacation of the news episodes. But as we come into the holiday season, we're expecting a lot of news to hit the pipes. So stick with us and thanks again for joining us. He's the Flying Dutchman, and you can call me Taking Flight. See you next time. We believe that videos, images, words, and sounds have the absolute power to inform, inspire, and entertain. 
We reject indecision, confusion, and vanity, for they work against the community. We are united under the virtues of safety and knowledge. We are a training community of learners and teachers who encourage and energize each other to achieve greatness. We are pilots, videographers, photographers, freelancers, business owners, enthusiasts, experts, and apprentices. We are creators. We are the Drone Youth.